Welcome to episode six of the Modern Extractor. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. Here in season one, we're focusing on ethanol extraction and post-processing, with each episode digging deep into a particular stage in that process. The shows are released in an order that follows the workflow through a lab as material makes its way from cultivar to concentrate. Last week on the show, we had Ray Van Lenten, founder and CTO of True Steel on, to help us break down falling film evaporation. Ray hooked us up with some amazing tips and tricks to get the most out of a falling film. He also broke down his decarb SOPs for use on their DR10 decarboxylation unit. That's the same unit that I use, and I absolutely love it. Moving on to this week's show, let's catch back up with our material on its way through the lab. We've performed a cold ethanol extraction in a centrifuge and cold filtered it through a lenticular filter. Last week, we took the resulting micella and ran it through a falling film evaporator to separate the oil we're after from the ethanol that we used to extract it. We're left with ethanol that's going to be sent back and used for future extractions, and crude oil, which we're going to decarboxylate today. We heard Ray's decarb tech last week, but mine's a bit different. Let's get into it. Now, I'd agree with Ray that a nitrogen sparge to push the air out of your decarb unit is ideal, but I've gotten pretty good results without doing it, since, unlike Ray, I remove the solvent under vacuum. First off, fire up your cold trap chiller to protect your vacuum system. The condenser will catch any solvents removed from the crude. I like to bring my crude oil in and hold it at 80 degrees Celsius under vacuum of about minus 30 inches of mercury while it boils the remaining solvent off. It's important not to overfill the unit while doing this, or you can get some bumping of product into your condenser. This is a mess and it sucks to deal with, so don't overdo it. If you end up too full, you can lower your vacuum level a little bit. I bought the fourth ever DR10 from TrueSteel, so mine doesn't have an internal thermocouple to read the process temperature. I usually wait about 15 minutes at 80C, then kick it up to 90 for about another 10 minutes just to ensure all the solvent's gone. Once I'm sure all the residual solvents are gone, I set my heater to 110C and start a timer for 40 minutes. Keep in mind that my process temp is 90 when I set that timer. Since I don't have an internal thermocouple, I don't have the ability to check the process temperature, so we just had to send out some lab tests along the way to make sure our decarb was going correctly. The, the oil makes it to 110 in, I would guess, about 10 minutes after I set it there, then spends another 30 at 110. Then I immediately set the temperature on the heater back down to 70. Again, I'm using an older DR10, so I don't have the ability to cool my process down like the fancy new ones do. Once my heater reads an incoming temperature of 70, I'll drain the decarbed crude out of the system and send it on to the next stage in the process. While a lot of people talk about decarboxylation, and everybody's got some decarb SOPs that they use, many don't understand the mysterious molecular magic that's actually going on inside your decarb vessel, and we're going to fix that. Joining us today to help break down decarboxylation, we have Greg Arias, chemical engineer with Concentrated Science and Aftermath Laboratories. Greg is one of the smartest people I know, and literally my first call as soon as I need to call in some science reinforcements. So without any further ado, Greg Arias, welcome to the Modern Extractor. How's it going, Jason? Hey, pretty good, man. Where are you calling in from today? I'm um, calling in from my closet in uh, <laughs> Van Nuys, California. That's the um, <laughs> best place I could find to record around here. Hey, I appreciate the uh, the little bit of extra care taken to make sure you sound good. Thank you. Yeah, No problem, man. 
so so Van Nuys, you're a you're a semi recent transplant to the LA area in general. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey to to working in the cannabis field here in Cali. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I um, back in 2013, I started um, my journey out west from New Mexico, my um, my home uh, state. Uh, went to uh, Arizona State University for my uh, master's in chemical engineering, um, studied uh, specifically fuel cell technology there. Um, I was out in Arizona for about six years. It was, uh, I had always kind of wanted to come out to California anyway. That was my, that was my main goal, but, um, got a little sidetracked for about six years (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, on my way in Phoenix. I uh, started, uh, distilling after I graduated. So I was making, uh, vodka, gin, rum, whiskey, you name it, all of the general spirits at, um, uh, Oso Distillery. So, they're fantastic, there. by the way. I was the uh, the beneficiary of of some of those. They're great. Appreciate that. Yeah. No, I had a had a lot of fun with that. That was uh, that was a very, um, very cool little uh, side quest, if you will, on the way out here. Um, so yeah, I was um, responsible for uh, recipe development, flavor creation, and things of that nature out there. So I was um, making all of the the delicious spirits and flavors that uh, people would be drinking on a uh, daily basis out there. So um, during that time at the uh, distillery, I had a friend uh, turn me on to the uh, cannabis industry. She mentioned that uh, one of her, um, one of her close friends was in a lab and looking for uh, an assistant extractor because uh, they were just taking off just like the industry seems to seems to be doing right now. So Um, I got in over there in, um, 2017, started doing some, uh, part-time work while I was still at the distillery. So I was in a uh, supercritical carbon dioxide lab, um, making extracts there. Um, that was a short-lived, uh, little, uh, taste of the industry that, uh, that company was, uh, expansion of a, of a larger Colorado company. Um, they kind of, uh, phase themselves out after about, about two, three years there. And, um, after that, I didn't really think about it much more until, um, you called me up in, uh, January of 2019. And I did too. Yeah, seriously, man. It was, uh, you told me that, uh, there was some big opportunity out, out here in California to, um, really get a taste of the industry, really start to build a career around it. And I, I, I had always thought when I was younger, I think it would be pretty cool to, to go into the cannabis research and development, like, like actual lab scale proceedings of, um, cannabis, but I never thought it would come to fruition as much as it did because of all the legislation out there. So, um, yeah, I remember, man, it was, uh, I think it was concentration 2019. We decided to, uh, to, to meet up at and, uh, and, and have the conversation and, and, and meet the team and, and figure it all out. I'm, uh, I'm very happy you, you made your way out. 
And yes, and that was uh, <laughs> that was a fun uh, fun weekend there at the the Palette Casino. I won't get into the details, but uh, I think that I'm was, still uh, paying that off. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Why do they always have these conventions at <laughs> casinos? I mean, is it? I mean, well, we can we can make one guess as to why. But well, they know they know their audience well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they know they know the risk tolerance of this audience, right? <laughs> you got it. Uh, so, so then after that, um, moved out here, um, started doing some, uh, uh, terpene creation for, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, through Aftermath Labs. And, uh, we created, uh, our line of, uh, Sierra Terps and, um, little shout out to, uh, to Devin here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dev. We appreciate it. <laughs> and yeah, uh definitely yeah and then um everything was going pretty good uh there as soon as i moved out and then um <laughs> i think we all remember this uh very uh in, in various capacities but the uh the vape crisis hit us so that being the main outlet for the terpenes um that took a, a pretty big hit on the entire industry so we kind of took a step back from there and um, yeah, it came to a screeching halt. It was mm-hmm. pretty brutal. Oh yeah, no, that was that was a, that was a tough time. And then, uh, wouldn't you know it? Right after that happened, then uh, uh, COVID hit, <laughs> and uh, then then another couple of hits happened to the industry. So then that that led me to um, having to adapt, realizing that this was kind of the new normal. Now, um, took a side um, a side career, so to speak, as 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 I call it. Um, as a sanitizer manufacturer so i was a uh, yeah i was right there with you man we yeah. uh, we jumped into that one together <laughs> i remember yeah well i don't i don't think we'll ever forget that that's a that was a whole career in <laughs> four months <laughs> it was a, a, a lifelong career in four months it was uh yeah. unreal times <laughs> that was a wild story maybe we'll do a bonus episode on that ridiculous yeah that, that, that's a good idea a spin-off <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if anybody needs to know how to make good sanitizer, uh, I've got a, uh, <laughs> I know a guy now. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so, th- yeah, then since then, after that, uh, f- that kind of uh, side quest, if you will, into, um, into sanitizer, um, that's opened up a, a pretty large um, us career of um, consulting for me. So, uh, now that I had had, um, some cannabis knowledge under my belt and now some sanitizer knowledge under my belt, I've been able to just kind of dance around, uh, doing some consulting for some labs up in Adelanto, California and, uh, sanitizer consulting still down here in Los Angeles, because that's, uh, just like the cannabis industry, I don't think the sanitizer industry is going anywhere anytime soon. This is true. Just to clarify, for those of you who don't know, Adelanto, it is uh, it's one of the the largest cannabis hubs here in uh, in Southern California. There's a there's a ton of stuff going on down there, and, and I can attest. To, Greg doesn't want to toot his own horn here, but uh, the, the the lab that he's working out out there is fantastic. It is it is a facility unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's 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 awesome. Looks like a P. Diddy music video. <laughs> it really does. It. <laughs> it's 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 well put together. It's very well thought out, and it is it is modern. It is very well oiled machinery up there. And um, uh, t- 
to just be a part of that is is fabulous again just to be at the the forefront of you know modern technology and cannabis extraction is 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 a very great gift i think yeah yeah now that you've kind of established a foothold here in town uh, you you're tending to bounce around uh, a little less to just like whoever whoever wants to hire you and more to whoever's got the hardest science and formulations that they're working on uh, I've, I've definitely watched your schedule filled up over the past couple of years and uh, you know congratulations on that uh, what's the uh, what's the most interesting thing that you're working on currently or recently uh, that, that you can talk about so uh, not to get into too much detail um, NDAs and uh, proprietary information and whatnot, but uh, uh, cannabinoid conversions is the is the big one. Uh, other than that, um, formulating is my is my main strong suit. Like you said, it's just uh, trying to figure out what are the best recipes for making for for solving difficult questions that we have in the field. And this, of course, started when I was um, making terpene recipes here, but um, most excited about uh, my joint venture with uh, you, Jason. We're uh, opening up a lab supply storefront uh, along with our general consulting services. So um, I'll be providing the lab scale based consulting. So all of your analytical equipment, um, small scale uh, research oriented and development procedures, and then um, you, of course, will be doing the scale-up. You got it, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm definitely really excited about that one, too. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man. I'll make sure to keep all you guys out there posted on, uh, on the progress from that project as it comes along. Uh, Greg, circling back a little bit to what you mentioned uh, prior to our side project, in regard to your solving difficult questions on the formulation work, uh, I don't think I've ever seen you in a happier place than when you've got a, a hard problem on the desk in front of you, uh, as far as formulation goes. Um, it's definitely your 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 sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that is? It's 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 uh, it's all a big puzzle out here. We're we're in one giant uh, puzzle that we've. I, that there is methods to find it. There is language to find it. And that language is math and science, chemistry, physics. Yeah, that's that's why I call you first, man. Yeah. Uh, in regard to the conversions, it's something that I've heard you speak about a lot, uh, which which I find a really interesting analogy for it is that you, you call it uh, molecular Legos, like that you can basically take things apart, put them back together, and and, and really build from a, a molecular standpoint. I've always been more process oriented, and like uh, when I get you talking about the molecular Lego aspect, it's always fascinating to me. Yeah, I um I kind of came up with. Well, I'm not. I'm obviously not the first one because Legos are a thing before I was born. But um, I recall in um, undergrad when I was studying uh, organic chemistry under um, Dr. Yancer at uh, New Mexico Tech, uh, I'd first gotten my foray into developing um, novel anti-cancer drugs, and they would show me the skeletal structures of chemicals and you know, kind of walk me through the process. This is the re- the reagent that we add. This is the products that we get out. And they look very similar. And I'm like, oh, so you're just like putting pieces onto a smaller thing. So, or taking off pieces. It's just like Legos. It's, and I, I love Legos growing up. So it's, it's all like Legos that you can't see. You have to put it in a special machine to see, but it's Legos nonetheless. And that's just, it's, it's just always has been fascinating. Organic synthesis, organic decomposition. It's just, it's, 
wildly interesting to me. It's uh, a little bit tougher than building Legos, though, considering you got to build Legos with a blindfold and then finally, after you're done, take it off and see how you did, huh? Hope, hope, hope the best. Yeah, hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of the magic of it, though. Right before uh, photography became became such a ubiquitous thing, you know, you you would take a film photo and hope for the best, and that's that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what it is, and that's that's you're taking a little snapshot down here, and hopefully it's hopefully it's what you want, and that's kind of like a. a pleasant surprise if you do get it yeah it's uh, certainly some job security because there's a lot of people that are far less patient than you <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's it's you just you just gotta gotta love what you do i guess <laughs> yeah, that's true um so just the the whole concept of not being able to see exactly what you're doing uh is a good segue into our main topic on the show today which is decarboxylation um up into this point uh, of the process, you've really been able to get some pretty visual feedback about how you're doing. Um, decarb is one of the, the first stages where that's not necessarily the case. Well, it's definitely not the case. Um, and in order to get feedback on that, you've got to really send it in for some lab tests. So um, it's a it's an interesting, interesting topic. And uh, I'm glad to have you on here for uh, a little bit of the theorizing and, and to break it down with us. Mm-hmm. So last week we heard... Um, Ray Van Lenten from TrueShield's take on decarb and his SOPs. Uh, I talked about my SOPs at the top of the show here. Um, they aren't the same, uh, which is interesting, and we're both getting good results. So uh, what, what, when I talked to you a little bit about that before, um, you'd mentioned that they're on, you know, on a similar curve. Uh, it seems like the jury's still a little bit out on the ultimate optimized procedure for decarb, and uh, again, it varies from from THC to CBD. Um, so let's, I'd like to get into to picking all that apart and kind of demystify decarb a little bit. Give us the rundown on what's actually happening on a molecular level while we're decarbing. Okay. Yeah. So the main process of decarboxylation in general is just removal of a carboxyl fun- functional group. A carboxyl functional group is a carbon double bonded to an oxygen and that same carbon bonded to a hydroxyl group. That's the acid group in this case. So decarboxylation is a universally known process. One of the oldest known uh, processes actually, um, chemical uh, processes. Um, And decarbing is again, just removal of this carboxyl functional group. And what that does is it displaces carbon dioxide and in its place on the molecule, wherever that decar- sorry, the carboxyl group was on the molecule, it will leave behind that little hydrogen. So you are netting carbon dioxide, which can be you know, removed and vented off and then um, keeping the hydrogen group. So the reason why we need to decarboxylate um, our cannabis material is because there's very little to no effect if it's not decarboxylated. Um, this is due to it not being able to attach to the receptors in our body that uh, take THC on. So the THCA just will kind of pass by it. It will. It won't. It won't attach and activate the CB1 and CB2 receptors. Um, however, when that carboxyl group is removed, it can attach. And this is um, this is analogous in the 
um, digestive system. So when your body takes in uh, amino acids, the amino acids need to be decarboxylated to activate the uh, gastrin, is what it's called, which is your gastric juices, to um, start digesting these proteins. And this is due to the solubility of carboxylic acids versus uh, alcohol form, the, the um, neutral form, so to speak. Gotcha. This sounds similar to, um, does this apply to the uh, bioavailability, which is another thing a lot of people are working on in the, in the cannabis field? Mm -hmm. The decarboxylated form is uh, more bioavailable, possibly due to it being more oil-soluble, again, than the um, carboxylated form, which has a bigger, more bulky and kind of clunkier molecule to it. So yes, it, it is more bioavailable. Yes. That's a, that's a very good analogy actually. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so decarb, like I mentioned earlier, is kind of a, the first stage along the way, uh, where you can't really see physical results of how well you did. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's also the only chemical reaction that happens in the, the whole process in the mm -hmm. lab, um, where everything else is primarily mm -hmm. physical. Um, without lab testing, you really don't know how well you did at your conversion. Uh, and I'd venture to say that most of the listeners out there don't have an in-house HPLC or really a budget to continually send out lab tests. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people out there that kind of found an SOP that worked well for them, um, probably tested it um, if they're one of the larger labs, uh, and, and confirmed that they were doing well with it, um, and then just kind of stuck with it. Mm -hmm. So my, that, myself included on that until you, uh, you recently checked me on that a little bit, but that's why I like to have you around to go deep. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, so talk to us a little bit about where the industry stands currently on decarb. To, to be quite frank, there is no right way, um, to really know for certain what the correct decarb temperature is, if that makes sense. So, as research gets better and better, as we really start to understand the actual process itself and really start to shore in on the, the temperatures and the times and conversion efficiencies that we need, we can get a really good idea of what the, the optimum temperature and time is. But uh, as of now, there is um, not so much uh, an, an accord because most of the most of the research takes place under wildly different conditions. You have people uh, just decarbing straight uh, flour. They just take the flour, grind it up, and then put it in an oven in an open container. You have certain people taking it and putting it in high boiling point solvents, doing a liquid phase uh, decarboxylation. You have certain people um, doing it in a vacuum oven. Uh, you have it, it, the, the the list goes on, but really, it's it's not the goal of our scientists to say we know exactly what it is. The goal of these science uh, papers and all of this literature is to try and prove ourselves wrong. Really, we're trying to make it better every time. We're not trying to tell you exactly the right temperature to be decarbing at. We're trying to tell you here's. Here's a jumping off point. We have this, you know, we have this temperature, we have this time. Uh, give it a shot. What, 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 what do you, what do you have? What do you get out? Let's, let's compare results. You know, it's, it's about collaboration. It's about trying to find, we're, we're trying to, trying to find that unattainable goal of 
of truth of of what it really is and will we ever find it i don't know but i mean i can definitely give you the uh, tools to get there it's a breath of fresh air to hear that because in the cannabis industry specifically there's a whole lot of secrecy everybody trying to protect ip and just a ton of people telling you that they know exactly what the best SOP is and the best way to do things is. And 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 really, we're not there yet. No, no. And, and again, I, I mean, it is such a, a new field. Um, oh, not not terribly new. I mean, we I'd, I'd been looking through the papers and uh, there's there's uh, evidence of extraction and uh, decarb going back to the 70s. I mean, it's it, it has been documented and we're getting better at it. But again, yeah, we're not. We, we don't know for sure, but um, I, th- I feel like the point of this would be to at least give people an idea of where to go if they want to try it on their own. Because I think that then from there, they maybe they can find out what what works best for them and possibly what works best for somebody else. I mean, it's it's a give and take. Yeah, I think it's important to point out here also that, well, you say we don't know for sure. Um, you say that kind of thing when you are... 99% of the way to an optimized procedure. Mm-hmm. I think part of the, what you enjoy about science is trying to get that extra 1%. Yeah. But like a lot of your procedures nail it pretty well. And then you can, you know, very easily turn around and say, we're not sure. So I think it's it's worth pointing out that uh, that you're pretty good at this. Yeah, I, I um, not to uh, draw back on the uh, conclusions we made before, but I think a hand sanitizer kills 99.9% of bacteria. I want that 0.001 and that 0.00001. Because why not? <laughs> let's 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 make it a little bit better. Let's let's shoot for a little bit better every time. Uh, that's 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 why I love you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here, man. <laughs> uh, I do think it's worth it, circling back a little bit to yep. uh, to talk about. Um, you were talking about the different methods people are using for decarbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we're specifically talking about taking uh, the, the the leaf material or the biomass all the way through to a concentrate such as distillate or isolate mm-hmm. uh, in this show. Um, I would say that the industry standard here is definitely to take uh, your product to an oil state, uh, mm-hmm. as we've run through in the previous episodes in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while it is in an oil that has had the majority of the solvents removed from it, 99 point, or 99% of the solvents removed for, from mm-hmm. it or something to that effect, mm-hmm. to then turn around and, and decarb that oil um, is, is the current industry standard. So that's, I, I think, just worth circling back to there from an educational standpoint uh, for, for the folks listening at Absolutely. home. Absolutely. So then uh, along those lines, there's, there's a bit of a curve the, for, the, for the efficiency, uh, the conversion efficiency uh, for this. Can, can you elaborate a little bit on that curve? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm sure uh, anybody who's done a little bit of digging is, has come across a similar curve like this. They, they see a... Um, a slow parabolic rise of conversion efficiency uh, over time at a certain temperature. And then uh, after they reach that temperature or go beyond that temperature, the conversion efficiency suddenly drops back down. So um, what that's saying again is you need it to be a high enough temperature to convert uh, the maximum amount of THCA to THC or CBDA to CBD uh, without loss of product. The main consensus uh, that I'd been finding was 
you have to go at least above 110 degrees Celsius to really start getting that reaction to take off. Um, the decarboxylation reaction happens no matter what over time, and you can just let it sit there and it would eventually decarb. And that's why, you know, like your uh, parents, parents stash might have a little bit of already ready to go stuff as, as it is. So, so who knows, maybe you could get a little, little bit of buzz off of that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from there, there, there's been a lot of press recently regarding the differences between THCA and CBDA regarding decarb. Uh, I've seen a lot out there about low and slow for CBD, and I agree with that. Uh, and I feel like THC is a little bit more resilient. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, that's um, actually what uh, the research suggests as well from uh, previous papers and the most recent paper that I found uh, during my studies. Uh, July 2020, there was a uh, paper released stating just that, yes, that um, THC seems to decompose or degenerate just uh, at, at a constant rate, no matter the temperature. So it's almost temperature independent, if you will. Um, meaning that if you decarb at 90 or you decarb at 200 Celsius, you're going to kind of get about the same amount of loss. There's no real um, variation in in the um, amount of loss. Uh, if, if you do uh, decarb for a very at, at the very high temperatures for longer, you will lose um, you will start to lose uh, product, but um, that's not necessary because you're decarbing at such a high temperature. Um, however, the opposite is true for, like you said, for um, CBD. At higher temperatures, you do see a very dramatic loss of um, CBD concentration. The optimum temperature that they found was um, 90 degrees Celsius for 12 hours. So it's definitely a longer, slower process. And again, this is just due to the CBD having um, a much more fragile structure or a, a, a much greater tendency, they theorize, to um, decompose, uh, polymerize, um, turn into, again, unuseful side products. But um, it's, it is just very interesting to see that, yes, it... it CBD and THC are definitely not built the same. It's also worth mentioning here that, that usually in your lab, decarb isn't going to be your bottleneck. I, I, it would be very difficult to turn decarb into your bottleneck. And mm -hmm. uh, since that's probably the case, you've got time on that machine. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can take that extra time to be a little bit more gentle with your material. Mm -hmm. So it's why, why, why do it so fast if you don't have to? That's true. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I think, uh, that, that gives us a, a bunch of great information regarding, uh, regarding decarb and a lot for you guys to chew on out there, uh, to, to make decisions about what is best for, for your situation. Uh, Greg, well, while we've got you here to wrap things up a little bit, um, wh what are you most excited about in, in regard to the, the future here of the extraction industry? Well, I'm, um, like I said earlier, I'm, uh, just, just terribly fascinated with all of the, um, new cannabinoids, all the novel cannabinoids coming out. Um, there's very little research done there because, you know, it's, it's almost a grab bag of 
put C, B, or T, H, and then throw any letter of the alphabet, any combination of letters of the alphabet behind it, and then you've got a new cannabinoid. And I just, I would like to um, see where that goes. That's, that's, that's just very interesting to me to see that there's these new ones coming out, these new ones being synthesized, and potentially what they do in comparison, because there's countably infinite ways to have just the THC molecule reorganized in in space really so to see those develop and along with the um i think uh, a couple years back there was a, a buzz about um yeast producing uh cannabinoids so using uh, bioreactors that's always been kind of fascinating to me as well seeing um little tiny molecules little microbes little microorganisms again playing legos with themselves and just building cannabinoids for us so that's i, I would say a, a some time out still and probably only for uh laboratory grade uh standards and laboratory grade amounts but i think that that's a that's a pretty cool thing to to, to see regardless because that's a huge step in biochemistry which is where i got my my first real taste of um synthesis in yeah, absolutely. I'm super interested in the biosynthesis side of things as well. I, I follow as much of that as I can on uh, online and just kind of sh- try to stay on top of that. Because I think it's going to be a huge game changer if they figure out how to scale something like that. Uh, you know, it'll also be great for creating standards and really pure pure samples. But if, if they figure out how to scale something like that, it's going to be it's going to be a, a game changer. Uh, there's a lot of growers out there that will not be thrilled about it. Oh, no. No, yeah, because, I mean, they're they're going to be out of the job because the yeast will be doing all the work now. That's what they always said at the brewery was, uh, I don't I don't make beer. The yeast do all the work. I'm just a, just the janitor. I'm just cleaning the tanks for them. I'm making the yeast happy. The yeast are the ones doing all the, the, the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so so moving on from uh, from that, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the what's the best way to reach out? Uh, best way right now is uh, Greg at Concentrated Science noes.com all right sounds good well uh make sure to reach out to greg for any of your consulting needs he's certainly my first call for uh for anything that is uh beyond my understanding uh and and definitely uh, a, a huge asset to have on the team so uh can't recommend greg highly enough appreciate that man so uh greg thank you so much for coming on the modern extractor we're uh, very happy to talk to you today yeah, absolutely man anytime glad to be uh working with you all right, another big thanks to Greg Arias for joining us on the show today. That man can make sense of anything, and I guarantee you've never worked with someone that's in this good of a mood all the time. If you want to get a hold of Greg for consulting on custom formulations, conversions, remediation, or anything else in the field, he can definitely help. He even makes a mean mix of hand sanitizer and a pretty decent batch of whiskey. Reach out to him via email, greg at concentratedscience.com. As Greg mentioned earlier in the show, we're joining forces for a venture into consulting services and lab supplies. Right now, we've got the supply chain side of things worked out, but we're still working on building websites and polishing up the public-facing side of things. It was going to be next to impossible to have Greg on the show and not talk about it, so you guys got a little bit of a sneak preview before the official launch. Uh, Since we do already have the supply chain down, that means we can offer great pricing on extraction solvents, gases and gas blends, carbon chemistry filtration media, and I'm buying and selling used gear all the time. So if any of that sounds like it's something you're into, by all means, drop me a line at jason at californialabsupply.com. 
Uh, as always, if you want to hear something specific on the show, let me know. Email me, jason at modernextractor.com. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram, the underscore modern underscore extractor. If you guys like the show, please subscribe and give us a rating. The more subscribers and better ratings we get, the better guests I can book for you here in the future. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we'll have John Hart, founder of Chemtech Services, on to break down distillation theory and what's happening inside a wiped film evaporator. A big thanks to Isada Venegas for handling business on the social media side of the show. And a warm welcome to all you new listeners. We're up to 19 countries people are tuning in from now. Thanks again to everybody for tuning in to The Modern Extractor. New episodes are out every Tuesday. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon.